so this is going to be a short podcast on uh, clint brooks and his uh, statement that paradox is a language appropriate and inevitable for poetry so clint brooks is um, he he states that for scientific language you know paradox is the anathema paradox cannot function in scientific language and scientific rhetoric cannot actually work if paradox is used in it is used in it sorry uh, but on the other hand for something like poetry which uh, which he calls fundamentally referential no other kind of language can work except the language of paradox and he uh, he gives a lot of examples from wordsworth to dunn to shakespeare to talk about this for example when he talks about dunn's canonization and he says that there is a there is a paradox that is created a kind of a very violent juxtaposition between canonized or between religious love and secular or carnal love as it were right it is it is perfectly possible to read that kind of juxtaposition as meaning that dun doesn't take any of the two kinds of love seriously but it is equally true and i think this is the kind of point that brooks is trying to um you know highlight is the fact that um, according to him dun is through creating this kind of paradox he is creating importance for both and juxtaposing them not as opposites but as paradoxical uh, but as being or existing in a paradoxical relationship so he says that there are inherent contradictions you know in poetry and uh, without these contradictions right it is not possible to create poetry which as i've said earlier as well is fundamentally referential in nature so uh, he says that um, you know what um, what paradox paradox enables in poetry is that uh, you know things which are fairly ordinary which are fairly common place in life even they can be presented to the reader's mind in a very unusual kind of an aspect and uh, we have to look for brooks's understanding of paradox within the space of the poem the language of the poem and the meaning that is elicited from the poem because um, i mean very obviously and this is something that uh, doesn't have to be stated clint brooks was a new critic he was um, he was an active member of the new criticism movements which uh, you know and and he outlines the the reading of poems through paradox and he uses the idea of paradox as a method of critical interpretation for him paradox is not just something that exists in poetry but it is something uh, that can lead to contradictions or that can lead to a lot of tension in the in in the surface in in the poetry under the surface or on the surface of the poetry it can seem like hypocrisy but it's actually not hypocrisy because it creates a certain kind of depth in the poem so that the poetic idiom can be used to its fullest extent and fullest effect in a certain sense so language the language of paradox is the essay that has been written by clint brooks about this particular aspect and this this explanation of paradox um so he says that um, you know the 
sometimes the referential language that is used in poetry it can seem uh, to be too vague and it it seems as if you know the poet is not sure of what he wants to talk about he uses the term the poet must make up his language as he goes but this is also because he believes that uh, you know it is the poet's job to be able to create these kind of paradoxes so that greater meaning can be um, derived from the from the poetry's text so uh, he he feels that you know words are mutable this happens because words are mutable and words are constantly shifting uh, and and because he is a part of the new critical new criticism movement sorry he would also uh, you know he also lays emphasis on how the meanings of the words change for example when they are when when they are looked at in a relational manner um so he talks about he begins by talking about uh, you know wordsworth poem composed upon westminster bridge in which you know there's a speaker and um, the speaker appreciates the beauty of industrialized london and uh, you know the beauty of industrialized london is juxtaposed with with any other natural phenomenon so he so the speaker views london as a part of nature because it has been built by man who's been built by nature who's a part of nature and so who uh, so it is man who attributes his vitality his sense of life to the things that he creates like the city of london and um, and and because of this you know the speaker doesn't think of london as being plastic as being artificial the kind of uh, you know juxtaposition that juxtapositioning that you see very very often in romantic literature and romantic poetry wherein the nature versus culture debate becomes a fundamental um, you know fulcrum on which the poem sort of functions and creates its meaning so in this meaning the it is it is the speaker who believes that the landscape of london because of its you know because of having been born out of man can also be seen as a composition of nature of course it's indirectly right uh, if uh, this is the reason that the speaker gives um, you know uh, of london being as it were a natural phenomenon uh, brooks says that you can call um, houses and this is a term that he uses you can call houses sleeping rather than dead because they are also vivified uh by man's vitality uh which has been transmuted to them through the men who built them right so in this sense you know uh the paradox is actually not in the language the paradox is not part of how the images are juxtaposed actually it is because um the paradox is you know fundamentally not in the details it's not in the language but the paradox is uh in the situation that the speaker creates in which london is a man made marvel but it is also um it is also um you know a part of nature as it were so it is both opposed to nature and it is also in conjunction with or it is in sync with nature john dunn's canonization similarly you know it uses paradox um it uses paradox throughout the poem it is the under it, it is the underlying sort of metaphorical strain within the whole poem 
in which uh, you know the religious terms are used to describe the speaker's physical love and then the you know terms of physical endearment are used for uh, or it, they can be substituted for the religious love done what he does is he he argues that the rejection of material world and withdrawing of a world you know um, around the two lovers is is appropriate for the two people to be canonized because they're capable of a certain kind of love which can transcend them beyond the beyond the restrictions or limitations of corporeal love which is the baser kind of love in christian um, you know in, in in christian teleology and so uh, you know it there there seems to be a parody both of the corporeal love as i have said earlier and the religious devotion but what uh, brooks will insist is that it you know it the the two kinds of love it seem to be oppositional otherwise it seems to be an unlikely sort of bringing together a violent juxtaposition are actually combined through a paradox and this kind of a paradox what it results is in the creation of a very complex kind of a metaphor which can be sustained throughout the poem but it also creates a complex meaning through which the poem can attain much more intensity and much more depth than was possible without this kind of paradox and so he he points out other kinds he he points out other kinds of paradoxes that you can find in metaphysical poetries in which he says that there are several meanings that are possible uh, and the right depth of meaning of emotion of metaphor of consciousness can only be created through paradox and nothing else and he points out similar kinds of paradoxes uh you know in shakespeare's romeo and juliet for example he he says uh, that, that when julius says for saints have hands that pilgrims hands do touch and palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss and so it's a similar kind of a juxtapositioning of religious love and carnal love in the context so a paradox is that ways you know it is created and according to uh, brooks paradox becomes central to uh, you know to to be able to create certain kinds of complex ideas without which poetry would not be as effective as it is right so uh, and and hence his reading of canonization his reading of other poets becomes a way for clint brooks to showcase how new criticism even though it is uh, specifically uh, focused only and only on the text of the poem can also create ways of contextualizing the meaning making process through these kinds of you know poetic devices like paradox and for brooks of course you know um, you know it is it is very important uh paradox as well as irony you know uh, both of these are very important for new critics uh they would they these would serve as fundamental ways in which poetry can be criticized it can be analyzed and so they function as um, a sort of independent poetical devices very very important and very very central to um, new critics so brooks similarly also believes that you know uh 
the structure of poetry is in itself a paradox so for him paradox is central it's very very important but uh, you know this is also led to a lot of other um, later philosophers later critics in criticizing uh, because uh, in in criticizing this particular fundamental tenet of new criticism because when uh, brook says that paradox is fundamental to poetry and uh, and scientific language doesn't doesn't have any space for paradox it creates a very staunch kind of a bifurcation against which a lot of arguments have been made but they are beyond the purview of what this discussion is about so um this is just an introduction to paradox with some references to the text with some references to the essay i hope that this is helpful